have in the reading of the Transfiguration story. We have Jesus up on Mount Tabor. He's taken his three favorite disciples, you might say the inner core of his, uh, his disciples, Peter, James, and John. The, the, the three musketeers, some people have called them, and, or the three stooges, as others have called them, especially Peter. And Peter proves himself to be particularly problematic in today's reading. We have an amazing story, an amazing account of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And while he is there, he is transfigured. He is changed. He is transformed. Or, or to, to use certain other terms, he is transmogrified. That's one of the words I have liked to hear. That comes from Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin had a transmogrifier. It was a great big cardboard box, and it had a, 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 a mark-slotted-in dial, and he could dial himself into whatever creature he wanted to be. And he could get in the box, and zap, he'd be changed into a great big dinosaur. And once he changed himself into Hobbes, you know, his, his little tiger, and he comes out and they go off and play. But the favorite form that he liked to be in was, of course, a great big monster that could go and eat his parents or, and whatever. Uh, I loved Calvin and Hobbes, still do to this day. Nevertheless, uh, Jesus was transformed. He was transfigured. And it says, it, it seems like there's more than just the dazzling whiteness of his clothing. He is transfigured. He is changed in their presence. They see the change, and it's like he's fluorescing like a stained glass window with the sun shining in from behind. You ever see a stained glass window shining brightly with the sun behind it? He's been transfigured, transformed. He is fluorescing like a stained glass window. And they see this, and they're amazed by it. It's an incredible sight to behold, but it doesn't end with just the transfiguration, with him brightly shining, dazzlingly white. No, it's far beyond that. Because then they see Moses and Elijah on either side of him, talking with him. Now, it doesn't explain how they know it's Moses and Elijah. I've often wondered about that. In most of the artwork I've seen, it has Moses with with the word Moses written over him, over his halo. And over here on the other side, it has Elijah with the word Elijah written over his halo. But I doubt they had great big neon signs over their head saying, Moses and Elijah, like, eat at Joe's. I doubt that, seriously. I doubt that, seriously. Somehow they know that it's Moses and Elijah. Moses, the giver of the law, the Ten Commandments, and the covenant relationship with Yahweh to the people of Israel. Moses and Elijah, the great prophet who set the prophetic pathway for all the prophets that would follow. Moses and Elijah, the core of the Jewish faith. Moses, the covenant. Elijah, who also had the important role as the forerunner of the Messiah. This can be seen, therefore, in the Jewish context as an indicator that this is the Messiah. Now, of course, the very first thing that comes out of Peter's mouth is the fact that he's not realizing what's going on because he says, Rabbi, teacher, come on, Peter. This is Jesus who's now fluorescing in your presence. He's shining dazzling white, and there's Moses and there's Elijah, and they're all chatting together. Do you really think this is just a good and wise teacher that you're talking to now? 
this the Messiah? Isn't this the Son of God? Peter's already missing it. And then you can really see he's missing it by what he says next. Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Yes, it's a really good thing that we're here. Woohoo! Let us make three dwellings, three tents, three booths, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Let's get involved in this. Give us something to do. Give us a task to perform. Give us a way to be involved in this incredible sight. Give us a way to participate in what's going on here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Let's keep this going. They're missing it. Here's their friend, their rabbi, their teacher, their Lord, being transformed by God in their midst. And, they're, and he's talking with Moses and Elijah. And they're wanting to get involved in it. Well, you know, frankly, it doesn't sound all that bad. I, if, if, if I were there on the Mount of Transfiguration, if I was there on Mount Tabor, and this was occurring, I think I'd want to be involved in it too. But no. And it says they were terrified. So, you know, of course, Peter, who's known for taking his left foot and sticking it ankle deep in his mouth, of course, Peter's running off at the mouth, not paying attention to what's going on, not really truly observing and realizing what is happening in his midst. He's not all that different from us. Then a cloud, then a cloud overshadowed them. Here we have a hearkening back to what we heard over in Luke's gospel when it said, when the angel said to Mary that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and she would conceive, the same words being used here. A cloud overshadows them, protects them, covers them, envelops them. It's like an umbrella canopying over them to shield them. A cloud overshadows them. And from the cloud there came a voice. And this is an echo of the baptism scene just a few chapters earlier in Mark. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. It's as if God is saying, Peter, shut your mouth. Peter, pay attention. Peter, listen to Jesus. Listen to your rabbi. Listen to the Messiah. Listen to your Lord. Stop running your mouth. Stop trying to get involved. Stop trying to interpret what's going on. And listen to Jesus. Do we, do we listen to Jesus? If we're going to be hard on Peter, can we be hard on ourselves for a minute? Do we listen to Jesus? No, we don't. Not really. 
not really listen to Jesus. We listen to interpretations about Jesus. We listen to interpretations of Jesus. We, learn it, we listen to all these things that go on around us applying Jesus, but we don't really listen to Jesus himself. That's my experience. I've told you about how I spent some time in the monastery discerning my calling as a monk. And I can remember sitting in the chapel in prayer with the other monks. We had just finished chanting the Psalter. We were in a time of silent reflection. You could hear absolutely nothing except the sounds outside the monastery buildings, the, the horns and the honks of the cars on Memorial Drive and the bell from Harvard University campus and a dog barking several blocks away and, and a plane flying overhead. And, and you could also hear, of course, the monks uh, squirming around in the pews next to you and behind you. And I can remember sitting in that pew in the cloister in the monastery in this silent time of prayer, supposedly focusing in in prayer and trying to be open to what God is going to say to me, trying to be clear-headed and clear-hearted and open to the still, small voice of God. And I looked up, and I noticed that there were some cobwebs in the arch to my right. And a little bit of a leak coming down from the stained glass window over here to my left. And I noticed that my prayer book was kind of frayed at the edges and I was thinking to myself, you know, there are some out there in the outer area outside the cloister that don't get used all that often. I bet they're in better shape than mine. Maybe I ought to go swap my prayer book for that prayer book. And I, I, I think I smell something cooking. Um, is it, is it potato soup again for lunch today? If it is, do they have any bacon to go in it? Because bacon's necessary with potato soup in it. And uh, could we possibly get away tonight, Eldridge and myself and David and a couple of others, maybe sneak away and go get some pizza, maybe? Because hmm? hmm? they're on this vegetarian kick right now, so there won't be any bacon in the potato soup because they're on the vegetarian kick. So no? Okay. Hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I should... Maybe I should start working out a little more or eating a little less because this cassock is starting to get a little too tight on me. And, and ooh, no. oh, no. I have a whole lot of laundry I still have to do. I, I, in fact, if I don't do laundry, I won't have any underwear to wear tomorrow unless I take, do the, the wall test to see if it sticks. And, and, uh, and, and so on and so on and so on. And yabber, 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 yabber. Until I suddenly heard... Amen, and we were done. Not much listening went on in this listening time of prayer. Not much open, true, clear-headed, clear-hearted reflection went on. I was totally closed off to God. I was focused on me, my concerns, my needs, my fears, my wants, my desires, my understandings, my interpretations, my recognition of problems around me. I was focused in on everything other than what God wanted me to be focused on. And that happened to Peter 
on Mount Tabor at the transfiguration of Jesus. And that happens to us. When we try to listen to Jesus and we end up listening to everybody but Jesus. We listen to everything but Jesus. We listen to every problem, every need, every concern, except those that Jesus would have us pay attention to. We wonder, what should the church's position be on this, that, and the other? So we go to the book of resolutions. We don't go to Jesus. We wonder how we should respond to evil and violence in the world. And we think about political parties and governments and powers rather than Jesus. We wonder how we're going to deal with the problems in our families and amongst our friends. And we seek out help. And we should seek out help, but we don't go to Jesus. And yet, the voice of the one who spoke when the dove, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended upon Jesus at his baptism, the voice of this one, God speaking, says to Peter, James, and John, and says to us, This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. Jesus. So that's what we're going to do in the coming season of Lent, beginning this Wednesday at Ash Wednesday. We're going to start listening a new, a fresh, again, to Jesus. Now, there are many spiritual disciplines that the church has learned over the centuries to help us with listening to Jesus. We can listen in many ways. We can listen through the reading of Scripture. If we're paying attention as the Scripture is read, instead of sitting there shuffling around, looking at our worship bulletins, picking our noses, doing whatever it is that we're doing. If we're listening to the scriptures, instead of paying attention to ourselves, we're listening to Jesus. If in our prayer time, today, when Mark leads the prayers, if we're focused in on listening for Jesus, we won't be running through a laundry list of the things we've got to do immediately after church. We won't be concerned and worried about all of the stuff that faces us. We'll be simply opening ourselves to hearing Jesus. Next time we take communion, when we come forward, rather than focusing in on our argument with our spouse, our fight with our friend, with how much we dislike the person three pews behind us over on the other side, instead, if we focus in on Jesus, we'll be listening to Jesus when we receive communion. There are many ways to listen to Jesus. There are many spiritual disciplines that the church has received for helping us to listen to Jesus. And this Lent, we're going to experience some of them. But today on Transfiguration Sunday, as we hear about how Jesus was transformed, transfigured in their midst, Moses and Elijah comes and speaks with Jesus, and yet Peter, James, and John miss it. This is a wake-up call to us. We need to hear that voice say to us, listen to Jesus. And I want to encourage us to be open to listening to Jesus.
Oh, we're good at connecting. We're good at growing. Uh, excuse me. Let me start over again. We're good at connecting. We're good at serving. We're not so good at growing. Ooh. But if we don't grow, if we don't listen to Jesus, we will quickly be incapable of serving or connecting. We have to be ready to grow. We have to be willing to grow. We have to be open to growing by the power of God. Listen to the voice speaking to you today to listen to Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son. listening to a sermon by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of the First United Methodist Church in Commerce, Texas, and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2015 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information and for other sermons by Dr. Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at First United Methodist Church, 1709 Highway 24, Commerce, Texas, 75428. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.